Hello, and welcome to Film Bites, the podcast where a lad and his dad talk about films they've just watched. I'm Jack, the lad. And I'm Andy, the dad. We're here to share our thoughts on the latest movies, classic favourites, and everything in between. From blockbuster hits to indie gems, we'll give you our take on what's worth watching and what's not. So grab your popcorn, get comfortable, and join us for some movie talk. Let's roll the intro music and get started. Here we go! After all this time, Mario movies finally in the cinema. Yes. Happy? Very. Gotta say, um, I wasn't really having many expectations going in. Uh, came out of it pleasantly surprised, as usual. And when you get these video game movies, you have a notorious reputation of they're either going to do pretty well, relatively well, or they're going to be pretty much in the bin immediately after they're out. Not much good runs, uh, just quickly moves on so that we can get back to the next kind of films that are coming up. Um, with this one, however, it seems like it's a pleasant surprise with an ensemble cast again, uh, with another video game movie, Sonic being the last one that was quite a big name as well. Um, that did successful enough to do a second film. I hope this movie is another one that gets a sequel, if I'm completely honest with you. I think the big surprise with this movie was it managed to be... Not necessarily fresh, but it managed to be a continuation of everything that you loved about the video games. Mm. But extending that to the characters that you see on screen, I think some of the choices that they made for voice actors was inspired. I know there was a lot of ramble floating about about certain members of the cast beforehand and how it wasn't going to be the Italian plumber and all this mm. kind of stuff. But I just thought, well, that was nonsense. And within the first sort of 30 seconds to a minute of the film, it was fine. It yeah. was all just fine. You knew Illumination were taking this seriously. You knew that it was also going to be tongue-in-cheek, which it succeeded in doing. Yes. I mean, it was a light movie. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. There was nothing really of any meat and gravy and substance to it, but it was an awful lot of fun. Exactly. I mean, let's be honest. We're basing this movie of a franchise that has derived itself from a video game back in the 19... I think it was 86, maybe, in 1985? Anyway, uh, based off of a video game title called Super Mario Bros, in which the Italian plumber from Brooklyn has to manoeuvre himself around a mushroom kingdom. Just that itself sounds crazy enough. And has to save a princess that keeps changing from another castle every time for a fire-breathing dragon turtle. So when you're basing it off of something as simple as that, I'm pretty sure you don't have to think about too much of a plot. It's just a bit of fun. Uh, the worlds are great to explore as well. Everything's in front of you. You get to see so many references to everything that you love uh, from the past, the present, and potentially things that we could see for the future, hopefully. Yes, fingers crossed. Um, but I've got to say, um, again, with the boys acting, as you mentioned, uh Let's just get to the nitty gritty with it. Um, Chris Pratt, let's be honest, when we saw that announcement, it was jarring. It was a bit of a strange choice. We've we've gotten so used to the voice of Charles Martinet, who is the trademark Mario, Luigi, Wario, and Waluigi. Yeah. Um, he just encapsulates everything about the incredible mascot that is Nintendo. And to see 
an actor like Chris Pratt pop up where you think, is this going to be Chris Pratt? It's not going to really sound great. You, you, you're worried about your childhood character to just sound a bit meh. But actually, no, within the first few minutes in the film, they address a few things which I don't want to spoil, but they address it beautifully. Um, and yes, they're using a Brooklyn accent, which if people know, there is a Mario cartoon show where the Brooklyn accent is actually first. It's not the Italian plumber, it is the Brooklyn plumber. And anyone that knows, they're Italian Brooklyn. So there's the heritage aspect of them being Italian. And then it kind of grew into the Italian uh, accent with Mario 64 with Charles. It was quite clever, clever to have a family sequence in there. I wasn't yes. expecting that at all. That is something that I had no knowledge of whatsoever. I, mean, I thought that really worked well. Very, yes. very clever sort of dynamic between the two. And also showing the two of them up as mm. not being particularly outstanding, which yes. is obviously part of the 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 joy of what happens along the way of the film. I think think one of the things that it did do very well was the world building. Yes. Um if you compare it back to that god awful uh live action one that happened yes three years ago. Yeah which yeah, I mean apart from the the wonderful Bob Hoskins being mm. in that film, it was a travesty. <laughs> um but they did a very good job in this film of, of world building. Um I love the way that you got to the Mushroom Kingdom, and I love the way that you had that dynamic of of the two of them, yeah. of Mario and Luigi, working very, very well together to get to that point. It, it was just really nicely done, um, really family friendly as well. I mean, there's nothing that's going to offend in this movie no. at all, and it it just did a really good job. Yeah. And I think when you moved into that that next zone, that's when, as the player that you are of these games. Yeah. That's when this film really came into its own. Oh, yeah. Um, again, Charlie Dane. I think everyone was confident with that voice. You've, you've heard him in Parks and Recreations. Um, you've heard that voice before. There's a very iconic meme that goes around where he's uh, kind of bored with conspiracy theories. And that voice right there is Luigi. That was something that we were all very confident about. And Annie Taylor-Joy playing... Uh, the wonderful Princess Peach in this particular She's good, isn't she? Very good. Um, I was immediately engaged, and I will say, I respect the adaptation of the game's uh, version. The, the game in general shows her as the damsel. I mean, let's be honest, let's get that out of the way. The damsel in distress, every game. I mean, there are a few where she is the playable character, in particular Super Mario Bros. 2. Uh, on the side-scrolling role, she had her own game on the DS, which wasn't really heard of that much, where she had to save Marion. Um, but other than that, there's not many opportunities where we've got to see her shine as such. So to see her in this role where she isn't just the damsel, I mean, the introduction with her and Mario, in my opinion, is brilliant, Honestly. which I don't want to say too much, but that is a great way to introduce your princess. And Miyamoto himself, the developer Mario and many other very fantastic video game franchises in the Nintendo uh, wares. Uh, um, you know, he even said that he wanted from the very start Princess Peach to be her own independent and strong woman. Uh, someone that could be a counter to Mario, if you will. Um, which was addressed in the second game, as I say, but sadly it's never stuck because that's just the stereotypes of the time with stuff like Dragon's Quest and everything of the sort, with Zelda as well. Zelda was always the damsel until they changed that ever so slightly around the 90s end of it where she got to uh, fortunately become more powerful herself. Um, Peach sadly never got that chance, but in this movie they absolutely got to do it just from the get-go and that was something that I'm really happy about. Anya Taylor-Joy as well. 
her voice, again, she doesn't have to be this heightened, uh, soft tone. She just gets to be her own warrior, if you will. Yeah, she's not a Barbie girl in this. She's, she's actually a confident oh, gotcha. and comfortable character, and I think that was one of the beauties of the way they portrayed it. Yes. Moving on to, obviously, the one of the big sequences in the film with Donkey Kong. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Seth Rogen, you, you can tell that man's voice whenever he's in, yeah. because it's Seth Rogen. It's Seth Rogen. Yeah. What did you think? Do you think he did a good enough job? Put it this way, there's, there's going to be controversial aspects about his voice, because it is just Seth Rogen, but from the very day I saw the announcement of the, the, the crew that was going to be involved with the cast, I just thought, right, well, I want that laugh. I want Seth Rogen's laugh to be Donkey Kong. And let's be honest, they're probably going to do something from the N64 game, if you know what I mean, um, which has been included. And it's Seth Rogen at the end of the day. I don't have much complaints. I enjoyed it. And he actually had some lines that were quite funny. He's probably the more family-friendly entertainment jokes jabbing guy, um, which of all the people is quite surprising. Um, but I had a lot of fun with his voice. I don't have any complaints about it, really. I thought that whole sequence with, with Kong and, and and everything that went off with the battle. Yes. Um, and with the way in which they got to that as well. Yes. Very, which was very riffing off the, the video game. Mm. Uh, I just thought it was it was a good bit of magic, to be honest with you. Uh, and obviously, as, as it works, like it elevates into the next part of the story. Yes. Um, which... It, it's it's meandering a little bit, mm. but it's just a lot of fun. It crams an awful lot of references into oh, yeah. an hour and 30 one time. Um, yeah, but even with the references, I mean, again, without saying too many spoilers, but every second in the beginning area, in Busham Kingdom, Bowser's Castle, um, and even later stuff I will not talk, talk about in terms of spoiler stuff, um, there are... Easter eggs everywhere, practically. And it's not just Mario Easter eggs, which is something I absolutely adore. Um, it's also two of the franchises, which I think could open the doorway, if you really wanted to, to a Nintendo cinematic universe. I mean, they've already established one character, if you look very carefully around the beginning of a few pictures. They, he's not there, but they can still establish that he could be coming up. There's... Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I, I think wasn't referenced as well. Other video games of big notoriety as well. And I do wonder if maybe the, the fact that they didn't include those Easter eggs is because they can make a whole movie of that in itself. Indeed. Um, but going back to Mario, of course, I, I get too distracted with what could be next because I'm so excited as a fan. But um, obviously we go into other sections as well, leading from Donkey Kong City, if you will. Uh, but let's just talk about Jack Black. Let, let's just go straight into it. Um, what did you think? Oh, I loved him. <laughs> it's just Jack Black being Jack Black in everything he does. But yes. but yet again, he manages to do that thing of of the tenacious D yes. piano thing. Um, it, it's just, I don't see that there's anybody else that could have done it Agreed. any better than Jack Black in this movie. And it, I, I think he's somebody that you're going to see again and again, hopefully with this as a as a proper franchise, because I mean that we, we won't talk too much about it, but but it's just so chat plan. Yes, it just is. Yes, uh, I mean there were some, again some chatter about some of the song choices that were in this movie. I didn't think it distracted at all in this. They're just big songs that you're familiar with from the time, really. Yeah, and if you think about the kind of time of those songs and when they fit, 
kind of makes sense to Mario. Um, look at when the songs came out and how they used them makes sense. I think they were perfectly fine choices. Again, didn't really distract me. I had a bit of fun with them. Uh, yes, I would have liked to have heard Mario's songs with adaptations of the orchestra, which is something that is gorgeous. By the way, I got quite emotional about hearing some of my childhood songs being, you know, adapted into these orchestral extravaganzas, if you will. That's not the right word, but oh well. It, it's just everything was so exciting about the music, the kind of detailing that Illumination created. Again, I think we'll have to see what comes up next, because I, I think there's a lot they can do. So... With regards to the actual um, aesthetics of the movie, the, the actual animation style, I thought that was delivered really beautifully. I mean, we're in an age now where you've got Pixar, Disney, DreamWorks, yes. all these very, obviously, illumination that really do stand out with what they do with animation then. I just thought it was comfortable and held up to its own. Some of it does look like cutscenes, but that's, I think, part oh, of the point. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was happy with the animation. Oh, yes. What do you think? I think the animation is something I want to see in video games of Mario. I love the art style of Mario. I've, I've grown up with it for a very young age. I think one of my very first Mario games was Mario Sunshine. So that was something that immediately I wanted more of. And we got a lot more of it in this film with the kind of art style, the gorgeous textures in the water, the kind of stars that you see in the sky with a lot of references to galaxies, which I do hope will be summed up later on, let's say. Illumination is to work on another project with Mario. I'd love Luigi's Mansion with the kind of dark, grainy textures from the Luigi's Mansion aesthetic. Um, you've got a terrifying-looking boo at one point as well. I, I just think, come on, that they can absolutely throw in more Mario movies. They can do, if you really want to, Legend of Zelda. You can do Metroid, um, which that would be a challenge in terms of the animation department because it's so different. I, again, I'm detouring, but I'm just so excited about all this. It's an opportunity to open up. It's the same thing that they did with Iron Man in the MCU. The very first Iron Man was a risk. They took that risk from a, a really known comic, something that was established to a well-known audience and was loved. So when they got to do a movie about him, they obviously did a second one. And after that second one, they went anywhere else. And that's something I really do hope doesn't get exactly replicated, but they get to try something with that animation style in terms of a Mario movie again with other characters. So you can explore Donkey Kong's jungle, potentially like a Donkey Kong Country-esque game. And then you've got Luigi's Mansion, which is a darker aesthetic. I'd love to see Egad in some kind of uh, frame. And who would play him? Oh, we've always had the discussion. I really can't choose. I've always said Doc Brown, but I can't... As much as I'd love Doc Brown, it's got to be someone with that kind of heightened voice, someone that's just funny and quite um, intellectual in the way in which he sounds as well, which I can't really grasp at who I'd say yet. Well, Benedict Cumberbatch, would that work? I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Cumberbatch, would, if he ever were to do something along these lines, it would probably be something a bit more menacing. I, I think he'd probably be a more menacing character, potentially something in a different Nintendo franchise. I would probably go as far as saying Zelda, probably. Mm -hmm. Maybe like a Ganondorf. Yeah. Um, maybe not Ganondorf, because he's probably a bit more gruff and a bit more menacing. But still, uh, there's always opportunities that they can take with this stuff. I think that, that for me, is, is the, the movie I really want to see, given the style in which they've done this. Oh, uh, playing Luigi's Mansion on the GameCube. Yes. 
and there's a neat little GameCube reference yes. in this film, which so, we won't give it away, but it, it, when you hear it, it is just absolutely spot on. I will say it's hard to miss. It, yeah. If you know your GameCube, you'll get it. If you don't, that's fair enough. You'll have to probably get the explanation, but it's brief, but it's lovely as well, and it's a nice nod. And speaking of nice nods, um, the traders have portrayed this as well, but I won't go into it too much. It does seem, I can say from the trailer, that Mario and Luigi are shown to be split apart, and that's kind of where the quest starts off from. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but where Luigi ends up, immediately I thought to myself, right, so we've got this kind of location. Come on, this is Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> if you're not going to do Luigi's Mansion now, why? Um, and also a major character, which we won't spoil. We won't spoil. Just very subtly in, in a certain shot in the film that you just think, oh, come on, you've even got it all sorted out now, so you can just do this if you want. Exactly. And and let's be honest, that would be a Halloween movie that you oh, just love. I would get tickets day one. Like, that's the kind of movie where you don't have to be out and out scary, it can just be a bit of fun with elements of a bit of Ghostbusters. I mean, let's be honest, that's a major influence. You've got a vacuum that's... Literally, the Poltergeist 3000, you, you've got the gear. That's literally what it is. And the, the, we, even with future titles that Luigi's Mansion has, there's Luigi's Mansion 2, uh, which introduced stuff like the Ectodar. I don't think that's the name, but it's a, a kind of ghost dog that's with him. Um, and that's a cool character that you can introduce as well. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 introduces Luigi. So there's a lot they can play around with. There's plenty of material that they can go with. And that's the beauty of the Nintendo formats they that they can just keep adding and keep going because that's just how much material they have it's the beauty of it all in terms of this film then yes <laughs> you recommend it i would highly recommend it and not just on dvd if you get it but i would recommend seeing it in cinemas absolutely um best experience is definitely on the beautiful big screen nice volume with all that orchestral score around you you've got the wonderful voices of jack black Chris Pratt actually does a very quite a good job as well. Charlie Day is just Luigi. That's no argument. Seth Rogen is Donkey Kong. I don't care what people say, frankly. I think he is Donkey Kong. That laugh is just brilliant, and that is him. Um, I was expecting the old high joke, I won't lie, but that's fine. Um, it's a kid's movie at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, with your expectations, I think if you're expecting an out-and-out action movie or piece of cinema i don't think that's the right expectation you should have at the end of the day it's a family film what these games are are family games they're oriented around any age where you can just have a bit of fun it's a time to step back and just let your mind switch off it's a nice bit of relationship building as well in terms of the brothers we haven't even addressed keegan michael day as toad or he's great he is absolutely fantastic and i love the score associated to his character um, I hope we see more toads, if you know what I'm saying as well. There were some toads that we didn't get to see in this film, um, which I can definitely see being in others. I think even Toad, in his own little way, could have his own movie with Captain Toad, the game, if they really wanted to. Probably not as successful as something like Donkey Kong or Luigi's Mansion or a second Mario movie, which, again, stick to the end credits. You want to see that final end credit scene. Highly recommend it. Why do people still insist on leaving before I don't before the credits are done? You know these days that you're likely to have something there. Yes. But I mean, in the cinema that we were at, it was like half the cinema had gone before even the first end credit scene, let alone the second one. Yes, there's two. Yes. So, so ultimately, cracking family film. Yes. 
don't go in expecting war and peace or something <laughs> like that. But just go, enjoy, yes. get the popcorn in, and have your family around you when you do so. Exactly, exactly. Brilliant. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So the next film that we've seen this week, this one is very different from the last one. Definitely. Uh, this one is 5.25.77. Now, as a massive Star Wars fan, lifelong, uh, you can see that this film has been a wonderful labour of love from the director. What's your first thoughts? Well, my first thoughts was I had no expectations going into this. All my, uh, the only bit of knowledge I had really going into it was this was a kind of autobiographical story of the main character who is Patrick Reed Johnson, also the director of the film as well. But it's also, it explores the first ever fan that got to watch A New Hope. Obviously not the finished A New Hope, but the pre-production, everything of the sort, where it was in creation and just getting to see it. He's the very first fan. And that was already an exciting thought. Just seeing what would that be like as a movie. And again, no expectations. And I've come out of it actually quite liking it. It's a very charming film, I thought. Yeah, very nice and whimsical. It reminded me an awful lot, certainly in the beginning parts, of Napoleon Dynamite, which you've not seen. But it's certainly that that kind of mood that that film sets up. Mm. Maybe even a little bit of Captain Fantastic. I get that. And it, it ticked a lot of boxes as somebody that's seen a lot of the films that inspired him mm. to actually make this film. The riffs, the project work, seeing stuff on Super 8 and the way in which it was shot as well. It was shot on this, this wonderfully Super 8 style film. I just thought there was a lot of magic in it. The first half of the film in particular, I thought was wonderful. Yes. The characters were engaging. The guy that's playing him, you can see, obviously channels a lot of his energy into this uh, this performance. But it was just the nod to the, the main one being 2001 A Space Odyssey for a lot of the early parts of the film. And you can see it's just the passion that goes around it. I mean, growing up in that sort of period of time, making your models and stuff, what what a wonderful time to be growing up in cinema and then to have that experience of of being able to meet somebody that would later go on to produce one of the biggest films of all time. Just phenomenal. And I thought what uh, what the director did here was he did a wonderful job of putting his story on screen. You can tell he's done it with a lot of care and a lot of love. And that's what really shined through for me. Absolutely. Those, again, that, that, that wonderful period in the 70s, silent running, 2001, The Space Odyssey. And obviously, Star Wars itself was just, as, as somebody that grew up with sci-fi, this was the time to be alive. Nice. So it was a lovely, whimsical journey for me. And I think certainly that, that first half more than the second half yes. um, yeah. was, was really quite charming all the way through. But now, what, what's your thought? I think it is a movie of two halves because I didn't quite expect the kind of turn that it has after he basically sees the movie when he sees Spielberg and all sorts of various things that are so fantastic about Hollywood. It is a movie of two halves where the first half is he dreams. It's basically exploring 
Hollywood, the whimsical thoughts of, I want to be a director, I want to do this, I have so many creative ideas, and we've seen all his creative ideas of the sequels and everything of the sort that he created when he was in his backyard. And then, as you say, I found that the first half of the movie was absolutely gorgeous in the way in which it was done. It already built it to be a character's, uh, so the development, everything there was just concrete. It felt like every kind of relationship you saw there was believable. And the kind of age in which it is in 1976, I believe it is at this kind of point where it's transferring into the next year, you can just see that it's this high school setting. It, you know, there's the nerds, there's the jocks, there's the popular girls and the popular boys and then the jokesters. It's, it's just everything was right there in front of you where it was like, oh, okay, so I can already understand these characters. I can already understand the mindsets. And there was even certain cuts of the film as well, which just felt like it was knowing exactly how to get a good laugh. And I found that the second half of the film, I think, took more of a dramatised look into his own life. Um, So obviously when you have films, you've got the fantasy side of things, so everything is really engaging. We're all distracted by the fantasy because that's the fantasy we want to be living in. And I think with the second half, he's having to face the realities of these fantasies and how it's affecting the people around him, how he's trying to get through things. And the film even explores certain aspects of his own life, which he kind of comes to terms with. And the beauty of it is that he, the whole time of the film, keeps changing different directions. So you're not quite sure whether or not he's fantastical and wants to ignore the reality or if he's actually... No, he understands the reality, but he's just kind of going towards that fantasy aspect. So a lot of it was really cleverly done, I found. And whilst, yes, I preferred the first half, I still very much appreciated what they did in the second half because it really took a turn that you didn't expect. I actually thought the film ended at the first half. It tricked me because I didn't really see the runtime of the film. And I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. And it kept you going. And I thought that was something that I found incredibly fascinating. It's a very well done film. Yeah, I mean, it's an over two hours running time and uh, at no point does it feel indulgent. Mm. It really feels like that this is an honest rites of passion story for for the director. And I I just really felt, certainly towards the end of the film, this this was somebody that really wants to lay their heart out on, on the screen. And any... Star Wars fan that sees this film is just going to identify it so much with the journey that he goes on in yes. uh, I mean the, the title itself coming from the, the day in which the film was actually released in cinemas it just celebrates an iconic moment in the most wonderful whimsical way and I think ultimately with this it's one that you've just got to see I don't necessarily think it's a film that needs to be seen on the big screen I don't think it's is out and out sherry in that way. It's quite an intimate journey. And I think we, we saw it on the small screen. And I just think it was a, quite a magical presentation of this. I, lo- I loved the music that they chose. Some very simple songs that reflected what was going on on the screen. Emotive as well. And you could tell, even during the credits with all the photos, that oh. really uh, evidenced what it was doing at the time. This was a pure passion project and it drips with it. Yeah, um, especially in in that end sort of sequence, I, as as a as a fan growing up of, of all those sort of fifties B movies, seventies sci fi, seeing 
somebody using their everything that's in their resources mm. to make special effects just magical and i love that kind of thing on screen in my opinion if you have the opportunity to find out this film go see it Five twenty-five seventy-seven. i think on imdb it's down known as 77 this this is a director's personal 13-year project to get this done and it is just just something a little bit special especially if you're a star wars nerd and i mean if i may input as well if you're a Star Trek fan as well, you've definitely got your input in there. There were some very, very good moments that I thought was very nicely done. Again, the references, every kind of source material that's there. If you're a fan of sci-fi, if you're a fan of Star Wars, if you're a fan of Star Trek, obviously, we know at the times there was rivalry between the two fandoms, and we have a little nod to that, which I thought was really well done. And again, it wasn't in your face, it was more just one of those nods, little sprinkle, and... Like the whole film, there's little sprinkles everywhere. There's always something for any kind of fan. That's a fan of sci-fi, a fan of any kind of narrative. You'll find your moment in there that's genuinely relatable, and you'll enjoy it. I think this is one of those films which it's so intimate on the silver screen and on the small screen, I should say. It feels like you're watching someone's tape, if you will, their own little film that they've created over the course of their life. You're watching their life play out on a film reel. And metaphorically, there's no cuts. It's very raw. It's looking into each and every crevice in detail. And I think that was something that I appreciated from the director. He didn't hold back. He actually showed elements that he wasn't quite proud of himself. And that was something that I think, with that intimacy, you also bond with the character more. You also bond with everyone that you're seeing. And you bond especially with the kind of filming that's going on. Again, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's so many parts of the film where you're thinking, is that real or is that in his head? Because it's, sort of, it's the fantastical element. And it is a love letter, not only to sci-fi, not only to Spielberg and you know things like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's a love letter to any kind of film that has come, essentially. It, it's everything that you love made for the screens and it's just such a good fun it's such a good time i should say and i think honestly go watch it fantastic little film it's got such charm and the characters are incredibly passionate and relatable and i think that's why you should go watch it it's brilliant stuff great stuff so that's five twenty-five seventy-seven. check it out I'd just like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to our podcast today Please do subscribe if you like what we're doing and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.